Good to see you this morning. I want to encourage you to take your Bibles and open them to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at that in just a moment. Philippians chapter 4. Today's passage contains a verse that is very popular. One of the most beloved verses in all the Bible. It is also one of the most twisted verses in all the Bible. Do we have that little cartoon? I don't know if you can see this or not, but there's a guy trying to open the jar for his wife, and he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And his wife wisely says, it's a pickle jar, Tom. Twist the lid, not the Scriptures. (laughs) And that verse does not mean the way Tom was taking it. Again, it's a beloved verse, but it's also one of the most twisted verses. Take it out of context. Uh, but one of the most wickedly twisted scriptures and taken out of context, I heard this week. One of the most wicked, twisted. We can twist stuff, but not wickedly. You know what I'm talking about? We twist things. Like, there's all kinds of verses we take out of context. Uh, it'd be a good sermon series to, you know, to things, verses taken out of context. But uh, this is the most. It was the worst twisted, wickedly twisted scriptures I've, I've ever heard. And it's one of my favorite verses in Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be by the renewing of your minds. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. How can somebody twist this? Well, there was a church in Florida who had a guest speaker. The guest speaker happened to be a drag queen in the church. And the drag queen uh, name, drag queen's stage name is Penny. Penny. Can you guess what the last last name is? Cost. Penny Cost. Get it? Get it? So the drag queen's name is Penny Cost. He calls himself... Pentecost, and he was up on the platform, and the pastor invited two little girls to come up front, and the pastor asked, what do you think about, and he called her Miss Pentecost, but it's it's a guy, and one of the girls said, oh, I love your eye eye shadow, and the pastor said, kind of laughed, and the congregation laughed, God's not laughing. And the uh, pastor said, well, that's the color you might can use when you're old enough to wear makeup. And I'm thinking, he's talking about being old enough to wear makeup with this perversion right here. Like, you're, not, you're too young to wear makeup, but you're not too young to be up here with the drag queen. <laughs> this is insane. But then here it comes. And he said, Pentecost is an example of what the Bible says when it says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like everybody else. But be, are you ready? Transformed. Of course, none of us here would ever be guilty of wickedly 
twisting the scriptures. I mean, woo, I don't, but we can twist the scriptures. I've done it. I found out in studying that I've been taking that verse wrong. We can do that. Okay, my thing. I got so upset and knocked my mic down. <laughs> uh, but uh, we should take this advice from a guy I really love. And when I first heard him say this, it kind of took me by surprise, but I agree with it wholeheartedly. He said, Greg Kokel said, never read a Bible verse. Think about it. That might shock you at first, but it's true. What does he mean by never read a Bible verse? Get context. Read a lot of Bible verses. Read all the verses around it. Read the whole Bible. Never just believe, read a verse because you can take it out of context. The title of the message this morning is Can, Can't, or Want, or Won't, and it's based in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. So read along with me. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished, has flourished again, though you surely did not, uh, uh, though you surely did not, excuse me, excuse me, though you surely did care, but you lacked the opportunity. Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. And Lord, You've given us Your Word for our benefit, to encourage us, to convict us, and I pray that Your Word will do its work in each of our hearts and lives here this morning. In the name of Jesus, Amen. The title of the message is, Can, Can't, or Won't. Now every one of us here this morning is one of the three. We're one of the three. We're either a can, or we're a can't, or we're a won't. We are maybe a believer strong in faith who would be facing difficult situations, but we're strong in faith and say, I can through Christ who strengthens me. Or a doubter weak in faith who looks at uh, difficult situations and says, well, I just can't. I can't do that. I can do this over here, but I can't do that. Or we're a rebel who says, I won't. I won't. I will not. I won't do it. I might attend church. I might drop some money in the offering plate, but I'm not going to 100% fully sell out to the Lord Jesus Christ and do whatever He calls me to do. I won't do it. What do we call that? That's a rebel. A rebel against God. And the thing is, you're either one of the three here this morning. Now let's break down this passage. First of all, we're going to look at the man, then the mission, then the measure, and the manner, and then the message wrapped up. First of all, the man. 
The Apostle Paul, it says, he's speaking here, he says, I, in verse 13, I, I can do all things. So when, he's refer, when he says I, he's referring to himself. He's not necessarily referring to who? Peter? Or John? Or Aubrey? Or Sandy? Or you or me? He's, he's saying I. But can we apply this to ourselves? So we're going to look and see. But he says I. Paul the Apostle was not just a religious man, he was a regenerated man. You need to note that. A regenerated man. The point is here in saying that, that this verse is only for born again people. It's not for the world to take and use whatever. It's only for born... This verse only applies to born again people people, regenerated people, as the Apostle Paul was. See, Paul has always been a religious man. Remember when he was a religious man and he was fighting the church? He was fighting against Christ. But on that road to Damascus, he met the Lord, right? So it's not just a religious man. He's a what? He's now a regenerated man, born again. And that's what this verse is for. It's a regenerated person who is seeking to do their will or God's will. God's will. So it's for a born-again person seeking to do whose will? God's will. That's the context. Because Paul said, I, what is Paul? A regenerated man and a man seeking to do what? God's will, whatever may come. I, the man. Now, you would well note, if you're studious, up uh, Preacher, I also says it sees it says Paul. We also know Paul was what an apostle, and I'm not an apostle, and neither are you. And that's right. There are no more apostles. The apostles laid the foundation of the church, the scriptures. They with the prophets and the apostles. It's already been done. There are no more apostles. And 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 again, we know about apostles. They had certain tasks and duties and things that we would not. Nobody else would have. They could do certain things that nobody else could do. They had a calling that nobody else had. A higher calling. So, because when Paul says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me," yes, he's regenerated. Yes, he's seeking to do God's will. Hopefully, we all fall into that realm. But we're not apostles. So can we apply this verse to us? That's a good question to ask because sometimes the verses don't apply to us because just because a king could do it didn't mean that we could do it or an apostle could do it doesn't mean that we can do it. But in the context of this situation, yes, we can apply this scripture to us. It's not, we, can, we don't just say, well, that was just for an apostle. This also applies to us as well. So the man, I... The Apostle Paul is saying this. Now let's look at the mission. He said, can do. I can do. Can do. You know, when I think about this, this phrase, I can do, I think a lot about sports. About people talking. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe you can what? You can do it. And you hear some of my favorite athletes have been braggadocious. You know, I love Muhammad Ali. You know, Muhammad Ali could do it all. He could do it. You know, he said, I can make medicine sick. <laughs> he said, I'm so mean I make medicine sick. I love that line. 
Uh, I remember you heard the story when he was on the airplane and the stewardess told him to fasten his seatbelt. You ever heard that story before? It's a true story. He was on the airplane and the stewardess said, you got to fasten your seatbelt. And he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said, that's right, but Superman don't need no airplane. Put on your seatbelt. <laughs> I can, I can do a people bragging. Deion Sanders, one of my primetime, one of my favorite guys to ever watch play. I remember when he played for the Braves and the Falcons at the same time. He was flying from helicopter to one place to one place to play. It, those were exciting days. And I, but you know, they brag on themselves. Now, I think Deion's since has become a believer. But people brag about what they can do. I can do this. And you got you to believe in yourself. And that's what the world says. You got to what? Believe in yourself. The world says you can do it. You can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. Is that the truth? No, that is a lie. You can't be anything you want to be. You can't do anything you want to do. Now, the truth is probably you can be a lot better than you are. You can do a lot more than you're doing. But it doesn't mean you can be anything you want or do anything you want. That is a lie lie and yet our kids are told that all the time you hear pastors preaching that all the time that is not the truth but here's the truth you can be whatever God created you to be regardless of what others say that's the truth the mission I can do I can do now put in the context does this mean I can do whatever I want to do and get God to bless it and give me the power to do it? No, the context is in serving who? In serving Christ. That's the context. Paul is all about who? Himself? His dreams? No, all about Christ and Christ's call on his life. That's what he's all about and that's the context here. And the context here is we are saved to serve the king. Now, where have you heard that before, serve the king? Where have you heard that before? Didn't we just say it? To begin the service? Our mission statement? What do we do? Love God? Love people? Serve King Jesus and expand His kingdom? That's what this context is. The mission is when we say I can do, it's not whatever, it's I can serve the king. I can expand His kingdom. That's what He's talking about. That's the context of the Scripture. It's not about a person choosing to follow their own dream and then asking Christ to join them and strengthen them to accomplish their dream. But yet, when you look at... So, go look at social media today. If you have Instagram or whatever, look for a hashtag for this Scripture or whatever on Facebook. And a lot of times you'll see it's about them having a dream or wanting to accomplish something or whatever. And say, I can do all things. What they mean is, I can do whatever I want to do through Christ who strengthens me. That is twisting the Scriptures. Note that the phrase here, I can do, follows... I have learned. Before Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, what did he say? I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. 
Well, I wonder if he could have said that if he had to live in the state of California or New York. <laughs> I'm joking. I would not want to live in those, those states. I mean, they're beautiful in many ways, but the situation they're in, would not want to, but uh, he's not talking about the actual state. He's talking about this, his personal state, his personal situation. Whatever state he's in, whether uh, prospering physically or lacking physically or whatever, whatever state I am, to be content. I know a lot of people, they have what I call destination disease. They do. We all, we all grew up with it. When we were a little kid and our older siblings were going to school, we were thinking, I just can't wait until I can what? Go to school like my friends or my big brothers or sisters. And then after that, it was what? I can't wait till I graduate from school. And people when we were in, I can't wait till I get out of my home and I'm on my own and I can do whatever I want to do, right? And then the next phrase is, I can't wait till I get married and and have a spouse and whatever, have a companion. And then I can't wait till we have children. And then I can't wait to what? The children leave. And, and it's only it's destination disease. I'll be happier. I'll be better. Things will be better when? That just that stage that's out beyond me. They have destination disease. Paul said, I've learned whatever state I am to be content. Does that mean he, you have to be happy about it? No, not necessarily. There are a lot of things that we want in life. It might be the will of God for us down the road, but it might not ever be the will of God. Are you willing to accept it might be God's will that you do not gain in a certain area that you won't gain in? Are you willing to say, whatever state, I'm, I'm going to be content? I can do follows I have learned. So we're talking about the mission. Paul's talking about I can do, I can serve the king and expand his kingdom regardless of the state or situation. But Paul, what if you get <laughs> locked in a dungeon cell and fastened in stocks? What, how can you expand the kingdom that way, Paul? Oh, I can still do it. And he did, right? You know the story. He said, whatever state I am, I can what? I can be content because I can serve the king. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now let's look at the measure, the measure of this passage. It says, how many things? All things. All things. What does it mean by all things, though, is the question. Does it mean all? You know, the thing is you need to know that in the Greek, you don't read it in the, in the English, but in the Greek, the Greek word all things is first. And the reason the Apostle Paul put that first is to emphasize it. When I say all, I mean all things. But what does he, again, what does he mean by that? Is he put it in the emphatic position in the Greek to emphasize it? Does it mean that I can run faster than a speeding bullet? That I can be more powerful than a what? I can, I'm able to build, uh, 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 jump over a tall building in a single bound. Is that what he's talking about? Like Superman? No. He says all, but he's not talking about all things that way. He's talking about all situations, difficulties, whatever, 
whatever state I'm in, all the states that you can be in is what he's referring to. I can do all things. All things I can do is actual Greek. Through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't mean, like the athlete says, when they win the ball game or win the Super Bowl, and they quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I prayed about it, and we won the Super Bowl, and so for a week, I can do all things through Christ. What about the other player on the other team who's a Christian who prayed to win and also serves Christ? They didn't win. But it doesn't mean that. It's not talking about I can win a Super Bowl uh, uh, through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't mean I can become a successful business owner through Christ who strengthens me. It's not that. Now, it might be that God will bless you as He did Truett Cathy to be a successful business owner of a business known as Chick-fil-A. And they told you can't do it that way. You can't. You've got to be open on Sundays. There's no way you can survive that way. He said, I won't survive then. But guess what? He did more than survive, didn't he? He thrived. So it doesn't necessarily mean, though, well, I, I took this preacher, preached this verse, that I can do all things, and I want to go start this business, and it flopped. So God was not true to His promise. No, the preacher was not true to the Scripture. <laughs> or you were not true to the Scripture. You took it out of context if He didn't. Because it doesn't mean that. All things does not mean that. All things means all states of life that you can be in. That's what it means. Now look over, hold your place here, to turn over to, I want you to see this, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, or at least write this passage in your notes. 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 30, and chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 30. The Apostle Paul says, and he's speaking to the Corinthian church who are letting other church leaders usurp his authority as an apostle over them. Why are you listening to these people? He said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? Are they servants of Christ? And he goes on to say, I speak like a fool. I don't, I'm not trying, please, I'm not bragging on myself. I hate that I have to say this. I speak like a fool. I am more. I am more a servant of Christ. He's not bragging on himself. It's just about God's call on his life. In labors more abundant, in stripes me and beat with a whip above measure, in prisons more frequently, in in deaths often, facing death often. From Jews five times I received 40, uh, 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils, in waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in, peril, in perils among false brethren, 
in weariness and toil, in in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside all these other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmities. So what he's talking about, all things. He just listed the all things. He's gone through all the all things. And I can keep serving Christ. I've learned to be content. And I boast in my infirmities. Well, Paul, why are you going to boast in your infirmities? Look at chapter 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, as an apostle God gave him many revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given me, and God gave him a thorn, a physical problem, to make him what? Depend on the Lord that much more. Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I I, I, I pled with the Lord three times that it would depart from me. And yet what did the Lord say? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may be upon me. And Paul said, actually what he's saying is, the more difficult it comes to me, the better off I am, because the more I depend on what? Christ and His strength, the more it gets done, the more is accomplished for His glory. When we talk about the measure of this all things, that's what he's talking about. In the context of the Scripture, through all situations, regardless of what I'm putting in life, through all the things we can go through in life, through all the things we can suffer and endure, the good, the bad, it doesn't matter. Let me say this about the good. There are a lot of us, we're better at dealing with the struggles of life than we are the prosperities of life. You know that? What happened with the Israelites when they prospered? They forgot who? They forgot God. They got haughty and proud and forgot God. So, uh, don't be wanting to win the lottery that much. Because <laughs> it might be your downfall. But Paul said, when I had plenty or without, I was what? Content. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He could endure all difficulties. All difficulties. I think about Corey Ten Boom and her story. How many of you have heard of Corey Ten Boom? Raise your hand. She was a Dutch Christian who, who her father and her sister... Uh, saved a lot of Jews during World War II and, and when the Nazi Germany was trying to you know, extinguish them all. And they were caught and arrested and, and they sent to a concentration camp. Both her father and her sister were killed there. Through a technical error, somehow she was released. She knows that God did that. But she endured such hardships and trials of trying to save the Jews and preach the gospel. And uh, she told a story about when she was young, she saw, witnessed a death. 
And she turned to her dad in tears, knowing that they were in danger, and said, Daddy, I can't lose you. Daddy, you can't die. You can't die. And she was hysterical in tears, and her daddy calmed her down and said, Listen, God will give us grace. She said, But how do I know if I have dying grace? How do I know if I have enough grace? She said, and he gave this illustration, when, we go to, when we're going somewhere on the train, when do I give you the ticket? Do I give it to you now? Or do I give it to you when we get to the train station? When we're about to board the train. She said, Daddy, you give it to me when we're about to board the train. And he explained to her, that's the way God works. You don't need this kind of grace for right now. But when the time comes, just like I do, God's going to put His hand in yours. And He's going to give you the grace and the strength. And she said she experienced that throughout the concentration camp, even after her father and her sister died, and through all the trials that she went through in life. See, through all the difficulties. And we're going to have, if we, if we serve Christ, we're going to have difficulties. You think about our brothers and sisters throughout the hostile, uh, throughout the world in hostile countries they're living in, and all the difficulties they're facing. Do y'all read? I read. I get emails and updates about the, uh, through the voice of the martyrs. And as a matter of fact, a neat little thing: when I buy anything at Amazon, a portion of my gift goes to the voice of the martyrs to you know help those who are suffering uh, for their faith throughout the world. And you can pick a charity. You could do that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Of course, you can give to them too, but, but just, you know, you read about what our brothers and sisters are going through out in the world, the difficulties. Does that stop them from serving Christ? Think about in the U.S., U.S. of A. You know, not that we're compared to a lot of other countries, but it's, it's kind of getting that way. <laughs> you know, when abortion clinics are being firebombed and death threats are given and they're being attacked, how many arrests? And over 150 that's happened uh, since Roe versus Wade was overturned. 150 attacks of churches and abortion clinics. You know how many arrests have been made? The FBI reports zero. But if you're a Christian who's standing against abortion, you're at an abortion clinic just praying or singing hymns or sharing the gospel, Joe Biden's Justice Department, back by, you know, uh, backing up the FBI, is going to come to your house with a SWAT team. Go look up the stories of SWAT teams coming to Christian homes and arresting the father in front of the wife and the children on the way to school or, or in other home situations. Let's see what they're doing. They're not arresting the boys firebombing the abortion clinics, but peaceful Christians who are protesting abortions. And there was one man who uh, he was with his son at an abortion clinic and they were outside and they, the abortion clinics had these agitators that they paid to come to agitate them to get them out of the way. And this one guy was known as a major agitator and to get the father stirred up, he got to his son's face the little Christian son's face and started cussing him with every vile word you can say. And the father, what would you do as a father? 
He said, leave him alone, leave him alone. He wouldn't do it, so the father pushed him. And he fell down and acted like he was all hurt and wailing. He had a little scratch or whatever. And so he had the he, police came, they had the father arrested. But when it came to trial, before trial, they even threw it out. This is a joke, they threw it out. But the Biden administration took a look at it and sent a SWAT team after him. The charges were gone. It's just unreal, people. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get worse. It's going to get worse. So we think about our brothers and sisters over the world. We think about... You saw that... The, I think she was a 83-year-old Christian woman in Michigan who was going door-to-door talking about this vote that was coming up on abortion. And she was shot in the back as she was leaving the house. Well, it might not be something like that. It could be you're, you're a Christian and you have a difficult spouse. I know about that firsthand. Not my mom and dad, but my, my wife's mom and dad. My, my mother-in-law was such a strong, godly, sweet, loving Christian, faithful Sunday school teacher. Little did her class know what she had to deal with while studying her Sunday school lessons. Did she stop? No. Very difficult. And you might have a situation like that. Or you might be a Christian in a family and they give you a hardship, a hard try. Mom and dad might not be Christians and you could be a young person who's a Christian or... You know, I remember there was a time, you know, my mother was never hostile, but uh, she didn't like my dad giving, but he gave anyway. She would fuss at him about it until she was truly born again. So it could be a situation like difficulties in life. What about duties? Duties. The Apostle Paul had duties that we don't have. We can't do the work of an apostle. We can do some things that apostles do that everybody's supposed to do. But he had certain duties. But here's what we know. We all have duties as Christians, don't we? You don't have the same duties I have. You don't have the same abilities I have. I don't have the same... But we all have what? Special abilities. The Bible teaches us. Write this down. Write Romans 12, chapter 12, and 1 Corinthians 12. Write those down and go read about that about spiritual gifts. Those are two chapters that deal extensively with spiritual gifts. And you read about gifting and gifts. We all have at least one spiritual gift and ability that God's given us to what? To put to work for the kingdom's sake. To serve the king. We all have duties. And regardless of how difficult it is, we're to do them. What about desires? You know, the Apostle Paul talked about in Romans about desires that he had to fight with. Here, now that he was, I'm paraphrasing, he said, now that I'm a new man in Christ, I have a new desire. With all my heart, I want to serve the king, but with my flesh, my flesh wants to serve sin. And he said, the things I want to do, I end up not doing. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I was or am. Am. 
Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who are you going to thank? The Lord Jesus. He'll, he'll thank. He'll deliver me. For, he'll deliver me day by day and ultimately what? One day completely deliver me. So desires. We all have sinful desires that need to be defeated and can be defeated day by day. Now here's what I used to get wrong. I remember the preacher preaching. I'm a young Christian. I'm with all my heart. I'm wanting to serve the Lord. And I, I want to get victory over sin in my life. And, and I'd come down the altar and pray. You ever do that? Remember those days when you come down the altar and pray? They have an invitation. And I'd come down and pray, and I felt great. Anybody ever done that before? Like a burden was lifted off of me. And that's what I remember Ray Bolts who sung this song. That's what this altar is for. Ray Bolts needs the altar now. If you don't know, it's very sad. But, uh, and, and so I would feel, and I would think, <laughs> that's done. That's over with. Got victory over that. Right? Forever and for all, right? No. But I did get victory over that. What? For that moment. What I didn't realize is getting that victory there, I thought it was what? I can relax. That's taken care of. No, you never can relax. But you can get victory, what? Over these sinful desires, what? Day by day. Day by day. Some things you'll be able to get victory over and not really be bothered with anymore. There's some things you'll struggle with the rest of your lives. But can you have victory? Yes, you can. To say you can't is deny, deny what Apostle Paul says here. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, write that down. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with that temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Then, then lastly, in this measure, what does this cover? It also covers dollars. Did you know that? <laughs> dollars. I wanted to keep the D words. <laughs> so we have difficulties, duties, desires, and dollars. Paul's dealing with that, that here. He said, I know what it's like to have plenty. I know what it's like to what? Have nothing. Do you need a certain amount of money in the bank before you can serve? I know a lot of people say, well, when I finally get financially stable, then I'm really going to be involved in what? In quote, in church. You ever, you ever heard anybody think that way or talk that way? I have as a pastor. I've, I've talked with many of them. Well, when I can get, I understand when you're full-time working, you don't have as much time as you do when you're retired. But doesn't mean you can't do something. We need to, be, we need to realize, I don't just serve the Lord at church. I serve the Lord also while I'm at work. Do you have to have a certain amount of money in the bank before you can serve Christ the way that you should? I've, heard, I've also had people tell me, literally tell me, I'm their pastor. And they've told me, Preacher, when I win that lottery, I'm going to give a lot of it to the, say it, church. <laughs> well, if you're not giving now, you're not going to what? And that God doesn't expect you to give it when you have a lot. He expects you to what? Give even when you have little. 
What was the story Jesus told about the widow and two mites? Did Jesus say He looked around and saw the rich giving and showing off their giving and then this poor widow put in her two mites? What got His attention? The poor widow. He said, I want you to see this. He didn't say, now, now widow, bless your heart, I know you meant well, but you just keep that going your way. Did He do that? He let her what? Because He knew what? I'm going to take care of her. Take care of her. How much money do you have to have in the bank before you give? Before you serve? Paul said, all, the, all things means all, all things that can happen in your life. All the ups and downs and everywhere in between. Now let's look at the manner of this message. The manner is, through Christ who strengthens me. It's not in us to do the job. It's in him. What did Jesus say in John 15? Without me, you can do nothing. I know I do a lot of things without Christ, and you do too. But what, what does he mean? What, what even without me, you can do nothing? You can do nothing of, of, of eternal spiritual significance without me. Without me. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. A branch out of the vine cannot produce fruit. You out of me cannot produce fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Christ strengthens us through Christ who strengthens me. How does He strengthen us? Through His Spirit, through the Scriptures, and through His saints. The Scriptures, the Spirit, Scriptures, and the saints. Through the Spirit. Write down Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. This is Apostle Paul, and he's praying for the Ephesians in Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you money. No. A high IQ. No. Athletic ability. No. That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That's what we need. God wants weak looking vessels. Why? Who gets the glory for it? How many of you hear people say, well, if God could just save that famous person or that strong person or that powerful leader, if God could just save them, oh, what He could do with a great person like that. Haven't you heard people talk that way before? Paul said, have you not noticed? Not many mighty are chosen, but God chooses what? The weak things, the lowly things to confound the wise. What, what do we need? What do we need? I think I need more hair. No, I need... <laughs> I might not get as many skin cancers, but I need more of the Spirit of God in me. That's what we need. That's the only thing we really need to do what God would have us do. He does it through His Spirit. He strengthens us. He strengthens us through His Scriptures. Through His Scriptures. And don't, when you read the Scriptures, don't they strengthen you? Don't they strengthen your attitude and your mind and your heart? For example, write down Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. 
Isaiah 40, 28 through 41, 31. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of all the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He, this God, He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. And the young man shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. These scriptures are given to us what? To strengthen us. Write down Hebrews chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. And chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. For indeed, He does not give aid to His angels, but He does give aid to the seed of Abraham. And guess what we are? Through faith, we are what? Abraham's seed. What He was saying is, when the angels failed, did, did God help them? When we failed, did He help us? Therefore, in all things, He had to be made like His brother. He's not some angel is what He's saying. He's not some... He is God become flesh. Therefore, in all things, He had to be made like His brethren, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that He Himself suffered, being tempted, He is able to aid those who are also tempted. So God made Jesus to be what? Flesh like us. We have fleshly needs and weakness. He he had that in the flesh. Not his spirit, but his flesh did. And he he knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to feel pain. He knows what it is to be tired. He knows what it is to be weary. He knows what it is for everybody around him to be deserting him. He knows what it is. But then it says in Hebrews 4 verse 14... Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now, please understand what this does mean and what it does mean. He was tempted in every area that we can be tempted. What are the, there are only three areas. Lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Jesus was tempted in those three ways by who in the desert? The devil. Lust of the flesh, he was hungry, right? How how was he hungry? Because he had not eaten in what? Forty days. The devil said, you know, that stone, you could turn that into bread. And then he was tempted with the... Uh, 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 the pride of life. The pride of life. You know what? If you cast yourself down from the height of this temple, what? The angels will come get, and everybody's going to see. Whoa, whoa, look at him. He's the Christ. He's a, everybody, you're going to draw everybody's attention to yourself. Now, did Jesus deserve everybody's attention? Yeah. But He wasn't going to do it that way. So he, 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 Even though He had the desire to eat bread in a human, He didn't give in to that desire. Even though he had a desire for all men to look to him, 
That was not the way to get it. How, what was the way to get that? If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. Not if I be casted down and angels bear me up. But if I be lifted up on the cross, all men. So the devil's trying to get him to take what? Shortcuts. The easy way out. Those were not sinful desires he had, rightful desires, but in the wrong way to fulfill them. And then also, he had to desire what? For all the nations. He's going to get those one day too. But Satan said, you know what? If you bow down and worship me, shortcut, they're all yours. But he wasn't going to do that. So he was tempted in all areas. I've heard a preacher say, you know what? If you're homosexual, Jesus was tempted with homosexuality. That's blasphemous. No, he wasn't. He did not have a sin nature to be tempted. That would not tempt him. But in the basic general areas, he was tempted. Fleshly temptation, right? In all these three areas we talked about, he was tempted in those ways, yet without sin. Therefore it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He helps us. He helps us. In Hebrews chapter 11, another, as far as another scripture that, that encourages us through the scripture. Write down Hebrews 11 and then Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 and read that today. That's the great, what we call God's hall of faith, God's hall of fame. It talks about all the great men and women of God who against all odds had faith in God and trusted God and followed God and had great victories won, but somewhat. They were sown in two. Some had great victories. Some had horrific deaths. But what? They all honored God. They all fulfilled God's plan for their life. You know, hear people say, God has a wonderful plan for your life. You think Jeremiah would buy into that? He was a man of what? He was a weeping prophet. He was a weeping prophet. He had no converts. You know, some had great, wonderful, victorious stories. Some had, you know, very difficult endings. But they're all what? They're all heroes of the faith. And, and it says, as it sums up these great men and women of God and the things they've done, then it says in chapter 12, Therefore, seeing we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who are these great cloud of witnesses? the saints who have gone on. Are they witnessing us? Maybe. But here's what it means. They're witnessing to us. They, I don't know. They might be able to see. I don't know what's going on today. But here's what I do know. They are witnessing to us. The great cloud. They're witnessing to us. Listen. Hey, listen. I was a prostitute. My name was Rahab. I was a prostitute. And yet God opened my eyes and I trusted Him. I could have had myself killed and my family killed, but we took those spies in because I knew God was the Lord. And if I could do it, you can do it. They're witnessing to us. And they're telling us, whatever, what? Don't give up. Don't back down. Be bold. Be brave. Be courageous. God's given us the Scriptures to encourage us. 
Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to who? The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured what? Endured the cross. And despised the shame, but He endured the cross. And we look to Him. He's our ultimate one we're looking to. And if that doesn't encourage you, your wood's wet. You might not even have any wood. And then lastly, the message of this message. Basically two things, encouragement and or conviction. Encouragement and or conviction. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It means I can go through all the things you can go through in a life. All the extremities and everything in between. And I can serve Christ in all of these things. All of them. And do what He's called me to do. Serve the King. Let that encourage you. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing that calls for Christ's strength? Are you able to do everything you're able to do? What in your life needs the strength of Christ? To do it. And to do it the right way. What are you doing right now that you need Christ for? If if there's nothing, then may this be a conviction to you. If you are doing things that require, let it be an encouragement to you. The passage should encourage you. If not, it should convict you. Again, the title. Can, can't, or won't. Are you saying, I can't everything Christ has for you? Are there some things you're saying, well, I can do this, but I can't do that. Or are there some things that are saying, I won't. I won't do it. I know the preachers preached on it, I know the Bible said, but I'm just not going to do it. Let the Holy Spirit make that real to you. As we close in this service today, I'm going to ask our uh, worship, uh, song worship team to come, and they're going to lead us in that song, He Will Hold Me Fast. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, as we... Uh, close out this time of fellowshipping and worship in Your Word. Uh, I pray that Your Spirit, through Your Word, and through the scriptural truth of this song, both encourage and convict, and do the work that needs to be done in our lives, that we'll leave this place trusting You and relying on You to faithfully serve the King and expand His kingdom. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen.